Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Got a feature show this week. This headlines the content and the public face for UTHDynasty.com. Also, patreon.com slash UTH. And it is rookie drafting and startup draft season. I am Chad Parsons. Wanted to go over the deluge of content that is over at UTH Dynasty right now. Got a premium podcast feed. And what that means is on your mobile device, it just keeps updating and it seems like about 20 podcasts over the uh, since the NFL draft and probably 15 over the past week or so. Some of that highlight content going over the market observations in your rookie draft. So you're not going to have to wonder, what's the environment like? You know, I haven't had a, a rookie draft yet. I don't have ones in, in early May, but I've got ones over the course of the summer. You're going to get my observations of the marketplace there in some concise shows. Also, going over transparency report style, my uh, veteran trading that, that I look to get some wide receivers, make some other trades, and there's dozens of trades where I outline exactly what I'm doing in the trade market and got a dynasty startup strategy series going on. Talk about the pre-draft process, specifically round one, as well as core building with those critical rounds in the first few. And what that does is it sets the table for you because for UTH, all I want to do is make sure you get off to a good start because if you're out there alone, naked in the woods and afraid, you get in your first startup draft, uh, no matter what type of format. And what happens is you typically have a lot of growing pains. And by year two, Two, year three, you're like, ah, I messed up. You know, and now you're looking to get into another league because you're looking to right those mistakes. And it's great to learn from others. It's great to have those positive resources that raise the floor of your outcome. And that's what going through the Dynasty Startup Draft Strategy Series will do for you. Also coming out this week, we've got auction. So if you're looking to get into an auction, maybe you've played Dynasty and Redraft, but no auction, there's a lot of mechanics there that go into the uh, auction mechanics when you first start an auction, even before it starts. So uh, again, critical team building exercises that are going to go through there. And that is over on the UTH premium podcast feed. One other series up on UTH Dynasty on the premium podcast feed is a series of 2023 quarterbacks with the new look quarterback model. And this splits out passing and rushing. There's some really interesting data that is now going to be used to profile these prospects into the elite tier upside, as well as guys that are more pass centric that maybe you have to be a little concerned about what their ceiling is fantasy wise and and dynasty. Because again, job security, floor, all that. One thing I'll say is Sometimes you get a guy that's competent as a passer, doesn't provide much as a rusher, and guess what? 
you turn into Derek Carr. And we saw Derek Carr had that MVP type season. He got to, I think, QB9, QB10 for his peak year. Then he sags right back down to QB2 zone. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, well, that's who he is. Well, that's true. But it also can create an environment where maybe we prevent that. You know, some false positives of uh, we all have those stories. You take you take a guy in the early second round of some of these startup drafts, and you think there's a big ceiling there, and there really is not. And they become a lot more replaceable in the marketplace. Where maybe you, if you need a guy like that, you can trade uh, something in uh, a later first round of their rookie draft valuation in a future year and all of a sudden you get a mid-career Derek Carr. So there's a lot of strategy here in terms of looking at the quarterback model, the profiles when they're coming out, as well as obviously tracking them in the early years of their NFL career. I want to give a free preview already up on the site. We've got CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Jaron Hall, Hendon Hooker, and Clayton Toon. I'm going to cover a few more as well as over on the Patreon side, patreon.com slash UTH, going to have a bunch of Devi players. So if you're looking ahead to 2024 eligibles, I'm going to go over where they stand now with a season to play, maybe more, but they're eligible for next year's class, looking like another uh, solid one in terms of up at the top and going to go over the top prospects over there at Patreon. So you get both worlds there. You get the rookies over on over on UTH Premium, and then you get the Devi over on Patreon. These are short, compact shows, but everything you need. And I want to give a free preview. So I just mentioned five, six shows that are up on the UTH Premium side. Here is the CJ Stroud episode, one of the critical players of rookie drafts this year, especially in your Superflex League. So here we go. Uh, this is my short show, three, four minutes here on CJ Stroud. And again, you're going to get other uh, notable prospects in Anthony Richardson, Jaron Hall, Hendon Hooker, Clayton Toon, and a few others to be posted this coming week. Let's talk C.J. Stroud in the new look quarterback model. We'll also have some shows talking Devi, but wanted to go over some of the most notable prospects here of the 2023 class where applicable. I'll just feed in here. Bryce Young, you know, if you really do with 101s, have to filter for 101s, and it's kind of tough. He's a, he's a unicorn prospect. So I want to talk about C.J. Stroud and just talking about him overall in the model. And with his 15% rushing score, 89% passing score, he looks for guys with strong passing scores and low rushing scores. The closest peer in terms of draft position, Mac Jones um, out of Alabama a couple years ago, still waiting on him. We questioned the ceiling in terms of is he, is he going to hit for the top 12? Is he going to have that perfect storm as a passer? And it's interesting. I mean, a lot of a lot of peers, uh, a lot of uh, commonalities there with the two of them. Uh, very similar in terms of avoiding, you know, the pressure to sack rate, uh, scramble rate at three percent, very low for both guys. And uh, again, they generally na- navigate well in a clean pocket. Uh, and Mac Jones was a lot better in a pressured, a pressurized pocket situation. Now, I will say CJ Stroud can offer more rushing. Mac Jones was 2% in the model for rushing, 15% for CJ Stroud. Neither one is very good. Um, other peers uh, in terms of, let's say, top 100 picks, we will go Kyle Trask, Mason Rudolph, Cody Kessler, Brandon Whedon, the only other first rounder, Nick Foles, um, Kirk Cousins, just outside the top 100, and Ryan Mallett. So overall, what do we have here? We have Kirk Cousins is the clear beacon of best case scenario. He offers almost nothing rushing. Stroud can offer a little more than that. But Cousins has been wildly successful when you consider this profile of pass first, pass only, and uh, navigating. I will say, you know, once he got Washington, he had good 
good weapons. He goes over to Minnesota, good weapons. C.J. Stroud, not so much, at least right now. Uh, there, he's going to be the sh- you know on his shoulders for the Houston franchise and for navigating that situation. So not quite the same. Uh, Kirk Cousins got to start out as a backup, not really thrown into the fire right away. He did get some some opportun- smattering of opportunities when Robert Griffin III ended up missing time during uh, during that early stretch with both of them in the same draft class there. So again, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. I mean, these are not good examples overall. Kirk Cousins, the biggest hit, wildly. Nick Foles had one fantasy starter season. So this is just fuel to the fire of avoid C.J. Stroud in your drafts. He goes in the top six. Be happy about that if you're at seven or eight. Uh, be happy if he goes ahead of you just in general in the order. Takes one guy out and helps you by one option in your rookie drafts. All right, so that's a, a quick look at, again, these passing rushing splits in the, the new look model and uh, recording a few of these, banking them so that I can then have start doing some of the Devi profiles and uh, documenting that as we go through and see a big update in the Devi quarterback realm as well. I have three highlights coming out of Twitter discussions, comments, retweets, mentions this week. The first one, and this comes from Matt, so shout out to him. Hopefully he's listening. I got Jameer Gibbs at 103 in a one quarterback rookie draft tonight. A bunch of exclamation marks. Glad I held on to the pick after listening to your content. Great advice. Thanks. So Matt is referencing that I did some strategy sessions and one of them was there's a non-zero chance that you can get Jameer Gibbs at 103. And instead of, I said, you know, be open to, to moving up to 102, you know, that can, or 101. And, and from three or four, that can always be a strategy point that you try to execute before 101 is on the clock or as the draft is progressing here in the early stages. But what I said is don't uh, give up hope and bail out of 103, assuming Gibbs won't be there. That was one of my big points in one quarterback. And sure enough, for Matt, it worked out. I'm assuming a uh, I'm assuming a wide receiver went at 102, but we have seen in the top three or four, we have seen Anthony Richardson go in a start one quarterback. So rogue pick, rogue picks happen in terms of facilitating what you may want to execute. And so uh, I sure uh, I made sure at 103 in those one quarterbacks that I did not bail back and look to trade uh, back, get a veteran wide receiver. I, I before assuming I got on the clock. Okay, Gibbs went 102. Now I can execute that strategy of looking. For for a veteran wide receiver profile that I like, um, or just moving back and accumulating more picks. Um, and, and I think once or twice I did pick at 103 out of uh, three dozen leagues. But shout out to Matt. Great job being patient. Wait till you're on the clock. I know sometimes it's you, you want to be proactive and you make the move early. And making the move early with a trade up is fine. But making a move and trading back is one you really have to have immense confidence of knowing how the board's going to play out. And, you know, again, 102, there's not a lot of variables this year with what's going to happen at one, but it's starting at 103, there are variables and especially 104 and beyond. So you do want to have a sense of what's what's likely to happen, but also being uh, aware and, and open to what could happen that, that makes it so you want to stay. Um, or if someone starts falling, you may want to trade up uh, and you may not think that, that you can have an opportunity to get certain players with the trade up as well. 
Second point, second reaction coming out of Twitter this week is I got a lot of hate for recommending Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a dynasty buy. And I like to look a lot of times at buy players as not the top players of the position. And I know you could say, well, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is far from that. But my recent Football Guys article is about dynasty buys at, at running back. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the one, and I get some got some global comments that basically like, hey, all these guys are garbage and trash. What are you doing? You know, this isn't dynasty advice. And the idea is behind targeting uh, either profiles or situations and a very palatable price in, price point. We're talking about add-ons to a, a secondary deal, a bigger deal, and something that may cost at most a later second round pick. Tank Bigsby was the lone rookie I put in there. He's typically available in the mid-second, late second, sometimes in the third of even a start one quarterback format. But I put Edward Zolaire in there because I was able to work some trades. And we're talking like trading two fourth rounders for Edward Zolaire, trading you know a, a, a late third back into the late fourth and picking up Edward Zolaire. These are very cheap, basically a roster spot value type deals. And so for Edward Zolaire, this is like the Sony Michelle principle. You buy a first round running back that's still in the NFL, that still is going to get opportunities. We're kind of looking at the side side of our uh, rear view mirror here of looking for opportunities to for him to move to another team potentially and get that love that he's not getting in Kansas City. Again, I thought he was overdrafted uh, by the Chiefs in round one, thought he w- was overdrafted by teams taking him at 101 in rookie drafts. But man, uh, to the, the hate has gone all the way down to this point. And Jarek McKinnon coming back is, is really the nail that you feel, feel Edwards Alaire is not going to have a whole lot of opportunities, but he still could be an injury away option in that offense. And he's one that you buy the pedigree and say, even if the best days are behind him, he's at such a low cost that he's going to percolate up depth charts and at least be viable to benefit from an injury if no one is going to give him an outright lead role from this point forward. So that was one of my big takeaways um, is that a lot of people pointing out Clyde Edwards-Alaire is worthless and all this. Well, he's rostered in every league. So the universal, um, the universal take is not Edward Zolaire is worthless because he's not getting dropped during these rookie drafts. And some of them are on the shallower side, mid-20s. Tw- I didn't see one. In a 24-man roster, I saw zero drops of Clyde Edward Zolaire. So to me, that tells you all that you need to know. I actually would need to go back and look at FFPC to see if in 20-man he got dropped or at the uh, dropping down to 16 because I don't recall. He might have been in a few. So that dropped to 14 positional players uh, months ago, and he was dropped occasionally. But that is a sharp uh, uh, keeper league, basically, type depth there. And then the other... The other third takeaway here from my uh, Twitter interactions this past week, and I was, uh, I heard a podcast, and it was again a non-football podcast, but they were talking about uh, Will Ferrell movies, and I started thinking about how loaded his library was, and it was basically about it was Anchor. I'm trying to think. It's Anchorman versus Step Brothers as the two main movies for Will Ferrell, and what is going to be the best. Now the two of those ended up splitting the poll but you can only put four results in. I started looking at the catalog of Will Ferrell and there's honestly about 10 movies you could put in there that should, w- would and should receive votes for his best movie. I am I guess I'm higher than the average on Talladega Nights. You know, I think that is a an unbelievable one. I still haven't seen old school as people drop their phones and throw out their earpieces. And I know I need to watch it. I know 
yeah, he they got 23% of the votes here uh, for old school um, coming out of this poll. So I understand. But Will Ferrell, like T to B, top to bottom, uh, there may be, I mean, Elf. Elf is so good. Uh, someone said Wedding Crashers. You know, that counts right. You know, the, 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 the surprise, I believe, when that movie came out, I mean, it was a, a cameo that you did not know was going to be there when you go over to Chaz's house and it's like, oh, it ends up being Will Ferrell. He's only in, what, three scenes maybe? And so, so not many. And, but, but again, I would view it as he needs to be more of a main character than that. I mean, he was completely ancillary in, in that, uh, in that movie, but man, uh, just the fact that semi-pro, like I actually, I could make an argument that the two or three times I've watched semi-pro, but like this is unbelievable. Someone said night of the Roxbury kicking and screaming. Great movie. Um, but yeah, elf is one for me. It's it, elf has actually turned into my go-to Christmas movie. It, it was Christmas story. Again, I still watch Christmas story. I think I skipped it this past year, but, uh, oh, the other guys, you know, that, that's another one that I think it's a a deeper cut on Will Ferrell's uh, discography, if you will, but man, uh, so good. Mark Wahlberg and, uh, and Will Ferrell there. And so, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know if there's a right answer here. A lot of people think they have a right answer, but just super deep super deep in terms of his, uh, I mean, you want to talk about a, a double lineup theory <laughs> turning over to dynasty, uh, that, you know, if it's a start three wide receiver league, you know, they're the type that has DK Metcalf as their wide receiver six. I mean, that's how deep Will Ferrell goes with his, uh, with his, dis- uh, with his, uh, catalog of high quality movies. There ones you can rewatch over and over. Finally, this week, I wanted to share two thoughts, two macro points on the startup draft in Dynasty. Uh, this summer, and especially late May into, let's face it, you've got July into July, not a whole lot changes on the NFL calendar, and therefore, it's a perfect time to do a Dynasty startup draft. These are long-form shows over at UTH, but I wanted to go over a during the draft early part, and then the other part is the pre-draft process. I want to go over a key point for each one because the startup draft is something that can really be a positive experience. It's the, the biggest part of the entire Dynasty League calendar for the league's existence. This will largely be for a slow draft or auction a few weeks, two weeks, three weeks, somewhere in that time span. Maybe you have the, the luxury uh, and the, the honor, basically, of, of getting together for a live auction or live draft. Those are awesome, whether it's in person or online. But the fact that it's over in a few hours uh, scheduling, that might be a, a, a tough thing for, for business. Uh, middle-aged professionals like yourselves to uh, to, to um, put together in terms of your collective calendars. But here's one thought. Again, I have a number of bullet points uh, that you want to listen to that whole series. But uh, first in the pre-draft process, I would say my general overarching advice is slow down. That can be part commissioner. It can be part the fastest part of the, um, the, the camaraderie of the, of the league, which is let's get started. Oh, it was supposed to start on Saturday. Let's start on Thursday. Let's start now. Let's start two days ago. Like the, 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 the rush to begin this and the rush to finish it, I would say are two aspects that it's, it's two factions. Usually one is like, hurry up, pick, hurry up, let's go, hurry up, let's start all these things. And then the other faction is they understand that 
there's no rush. You know, we're not trying to finish by week one. Uh, that's not even a part of the calendar right now. The NFL draft isn't three days from now or we have to finish. And you want to make sure you do things at a pace that's comfortable for everybody. But the pre-draft part that I wanted to mention is just make sure with the onboarding process that, you know, it's not just everyone pay and we're good to go. Let's make sure, you know, a, a few different people look at the rules and, and like, let's see if we've addressed everything. Let's see if uh, everyone's on board with this. You might need to run a few polls on, do we want to do it this way or that way? could be informal, could be very formal, um, but all those types of things. Um, and also just, are we doing a deposit? What are the rules for a deposit? W- when are people paying for what in the future? Where's the money going to be? Just all these little checkpoints that take an extra day, take an extra two days, slow down. Let's make sure everyone that's in it wants to be in it. Everyone's okay. No one's going to be surprised in round five that I didn't know it was tied in premium or whatever. So that would be my first pre-draft point. My second point uh, in terms of the early rounds is going to be be proactive with offers, get your guys. And it's, and, and if you see a player that you have a shot at, you're within the radius and the draft is going on. It could be in the first round. It could be in the first two or three rounds, but you're getting a little nervous. I don't know if they're going to make it. Usually it's very affordable to trade up just a little bit. And I'll tell you this, the, the best feeling you want to have and the most feeling of success you're going to have coming out of a, a startup draft, whether it's you feel good by round five, you feel good by the uh, round 20, or by the time it's done is you feel like you were aggressive enough to get the players that you wanted to get. Could be at value points, could be at certain positions that you're looking to optimize in this particular format. But usually when I do interrogation rooms with folks and we have some coming down the pipeline this summer, love love doing that combination of war room and interrogation room, especially if you're listening to this as a subscriber, you got a startup draft going on, reach out to me. I'd love to help before the draft, but also let's record a show and, and talk about your experience after the draft or auction is done. But typically the, the, the most negative or regretful comments is not overpaying for a player or, oh, I traded up for them and now uh, I kind of look back and I don't think that was a good move. It's typically the, I either didn't explore a trade avenue and missed out on this player or I feel like I was not proactive enough and the, the, the draft zoomed by with the picks and I just didn't get my foot in the door to potentially trade up and get them. And then it's that one or two players in the first five or six rounds where you say, my draft would have looked a lot better or doing post-draft analysis of your team build. And it was those players that you did not get that would have really been the cherry on the top and turn your B plus, A minus, or even an A draft to an A plus result. And so don't let, oh, I had to trade back from round six to round eight. Don't let that stop you from getting the quarterback in the zone up high that you wanted. And it was like, uh, it was within reach, you know? Uh, So make sure that you're thinking through and asking yourself, what is replaceable or what is more fixable and what is not? And a lot of times, whoever you would have targeted in round six is a lot more replaceable or replicable in round eight than it is saying you missed out at a guy at 110. And that was your guy. And you get to 202 and they're gone and they're gone forever. And it's just really tough to find that guy or try to get him in a trade. Uh, And there may not be other options like him. 
in terms of a dynasty profile at present. And you may be searching out in the desert, in the woods, looking for water um, in the six months, 12 months, five years after that startup draft where you're so close, you had your chance, you were four picks away in a startup draft, or you know, you're sitting there at, at uh, 107 and you're like, ah, I want to get Mahomes. Well, moving from 107 to 101 is probably going to be more affordable than dealing with that Mahomes owner in a future month or year to get him via trade in the existing league once it gets rolling. So those are my two big thoughts for startup drafts. It's the perfect time to do it over the next couple of months and build out your team. And the focus for me, I've already started putting out some startup content, but I'm going to have a startup auction series over at UTH. And again, you can always request, and I, I say this, it's more work for me, but it's more benefit to the super fans at UTH, which is you sign up for three months, you sign up for 12 months at the, at the UTH trade calculator. And when you have a startup draft coming up, you just knock on my door with an email and you say, hey, I got a 12-teamer at Superflex, it's tight end premium, this and that, um, you know, and, and you send it, send it my way. And before your draft, and usually it's a day or two before I want to give you time to prep, you get a custom drafter auction board built for your format, enhances, supercharges your results. So you know, we talk about not making those early mistakes, not having a tragic, real learning curve result in your first dynasty startup draft or just one, maybe you haven't done a startup in a while. Maybe you haven't done this format before. Maybe you haven't done auction before. And so you start putting these puzzle pieces together. And if there's any kind of newness, and frankly, you do a startup draft this off season, it's different than a year ago. It's a new environment of player value. So you want to be up, you want to be hip, and you want to be ahead of the curve. And you get that startup draft board from UTH, high level of confidence. And really, I mean, I would say even those that I felt, you know, didn't do the greatest of jobs managing their draft, you still give them a B or B plus. It's amazing. Like the result of just, you show up, you follow the board and you get a really good result, really nice stepping off point and tons of people crush it. Tons of people get an A or A plus, And frankly, they're, they're in a competitive environment that they are just leaps and bounds better uh, in terms of prepared, they're plugged in, and, and all of a sudden, the league is not half over. It's probably three quarters over in terms of just allowing so much value to come to UTHers in their startup draft and auction build. Finally, wanted to mention the content over at patreon.com slash UTH, all the bonus content. You also get a weekly show. Tim Torch and I, uh, we chop it up. Uh, we do a main weekly show. We also do an overtime show, sometimes about football, sometimes it's football adjacent, sometimes it's not about football at all. This past week, we talked about NFL draft survivors, for now, uh, of, of who at the skill positions was able to uh, avoid high level competition. And maybe this is their year. Maybe situation is finding them. Opportunity is finding them. We discussed those players last week, as well as in the overtime segment, we talked about what kind of skills that we wish we had, uh, collective skills. You get to learn a little under the hood about Tim and I, as, as well as alternative careers. You know, if our current careers were not an option for us, what would we do? How would we spend our time? How would we make some some money and make life work? So you get to hear those from us as well. I've already mentioned all the content coming out about Debbie quarterbacks, the new quarterback model update that has been out for a week or two and how that is shifting some of the profiles at quarterback. Got Debbie quarterback rankings that are updated uh, pretty much by the end of the weekend here. So depending on when you're listening to this show, probably already updated there on the site and super excited about that. And then we're gonna keep turning our way back to dynasty trading in here these summer months. 
That's going to do it this week on the weekly free Under the Helmet podcast. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing, being a part of UTH in whatever way you see fit. Plenty of bonus podcasts, as I mentioned, at UTH Premium. You get that connected just like you're listening to this show. You would listen to the premium podcast averaging about one a day this year, so we're on a pretty hearty pace. And I already mentioned all the bonus content, separate content, unique content for Dynasty over there at patreon.com slash UTH. Thank you so much for listening. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. If you want to interact with the show, leave a question. Uh, could be part of the comments next week in terms of things I'm reacting to, responding to, and uh, have answers to your questions. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. <laughs>